Inside Books with Breda Brown. Welcome to Inside Books, a programme about the magical world of writing. I'm Breda Brown and in each episode of Inside Books we chat to people associated with the world of books, including well-known authors, publishers, editors, agents, critics, booksellers and more. You'll find Inside Books on all audio platforms and our Twitter handle is at InsideBooksIRE where you'll also find lots of other interesting book news. My guest today is Adele Coffey, an Irish journalist and broadcaster who has just released her debut novel. Adele has worked as an arts reporter and editor with the Sunday Tribune newspaper. She was a presenter and reporter with RTE Radio, the editor of the Irish Independent Weekend magazine and also books editor of the Irish Independent. Originally from Ballybrack in Dublin, she now lives in Galway with her family. So Adele... The saying goes, I suppose, that everyone has a book in them. But it seems that journalists definitely have one, if not two, if not three. But, I mean, you've had a fantastic career in journalism. So was the book writing always something that was going to happen? Yeah, it's funny. I went into journalism not through any sort of, um, you know, noble desire to be one of those journalists uncovering the truth and uncovering corruption. I went into journalism because I loved writing. Uh, I was a massive fan of books. Uh, From the time I was a child, I wanted to write a book and I couldn't really figure out how to do that. because you have to earn a living, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I thought, OK, what if I study journalism and become a journalist? That way I'll get to write for a living. I'll get to write every day and, you know, I'll get to earn a living as well. So so that was kind of my way into journalism. And I didn't really know what to expect, but it's, it did flourish for me. It became this career that I really loved and I really enjoyed and I was very passionate about um, so much so that it kind of became very difficult for me to to leave it after I had children. I, I fully identified with my career, which I know people say you're not supposed to do. Um, so, yeah, the, the book thing was a lifelong dream and I'm so glad that it's finally happened. Um, you know, I just, I never... I always thought it was going to happen until I had children and then I thought actually this might not happen because I'm so busy, life is so busy. I always thought oh I'll do it one day but but suddenly I realized actually if you don't really knuckle down and try to do this it might not happen for you so. And and this is it I think people probably get to a point where they go okay look focus and let's just do this. Yeah. It's also though as you said about trying to find the time and it is difficult. How did you do it? Yeah, no uh, and I'm not going to mess about that. It is comp- it's really difficult and it did take a lot of um sort of sacrificing. I had uh, I had moved to Galway um 6 years ago and I had I was making friends, I was meeting people and I was trying to sort of let those new relationships flourish because I was lonely. I didn't know anyone. I wasn't working so I didn't have that natural work network. And, you know, pretty soon when I decided I'm going to try and write the book, I had to stop going for those coffees in the morning. I had to stop sort of all those extracurricular um, activities because there just wasn't time. And it was like, either you want to do it or you don't. And so I was writing in very small bursts of time, I had very small children. Um, so if when, when they went to Montessori and school, I finally got a little bit of time back. But, you know, it's still busy. Everyone knows when you get an hour to yourself, you're like, I'm going to clean the house. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to do all these procrastinating or procrastinating things to uh, avoid writing. But I, I just, 
I every time I felt the impulse to do something like that or even just to open my phone and go on Twitter I just thought okay every time I'm doing and, something like and that And that was it because you did write. say you literally ditched social media for a while did that, I did, did that yeah. work? Yeah yeah it absolutely did because I realised I was doing it very unconsciously I would take out my phone and I would scroll tw- Twitter and you know half an hour would fly by And it's unbelievable how that oh, happens It is shocking it's such a time suck and what I did was I just tried to become more conscious of that so every time I took out my phone it was kind of a trigger for me to say okay why are you taking out your phone is this something urgent is this something important and every time I went to take out my phone for that reason I decided no I'm going to take out my laptop so I was this crazy woman who went everywhere with my laptop in my handbag and whenever I did that if I had 10 minutes great sometimes I had an hour but I would open it and start typing and I think it's it was a really interesting thing for me because before that I thought no I need a full hour or I need two hours to and, sit down and that's what I was going to say like did 15 minutes could you make that yes. work for you yeah amazingly like you'd be amazed and I suppose maybe that's where the journalism training comes in you, you learn how to write fast you learn how to write under pressure now Brida I'm not saying that when I wrote for 15 minutes there was a beautiful <laughs> polished yeah. piece of writing at the end of it but there was something do you know and it was um, it was another brick on top of the previous brick and that's kind of how I looked at writing the book was little building blocks um, on top of each other and uh, it was it was the only way I was going to do it I just thought look you don't have eight hours in an office you don't have this perfect study with silence all around you if you want to do it you're just going to have to do it in this way which is different to the way you thought you were going to do it and and it worked and I think actually writing it in that way sort of formed the style and the pace and the narrative, not the narrative, but definitely how sort of quick and short the chapters were, you know, everything was moving very fast. And people have said that they've read it very quickly, like they've sort of read it in one or two sittings. So I think that really did inform the pace, like it might have been a much more slow moving book if I hadn't written it like that. And Breaking Point is your debut, um, Mm. but you had a bit of a practice run before that in terms of of a book with all these 15 minute slots of time. Do you know, I just, I wasn't, I had lost a lot of confidence actually, you know, I stopped working, I had two babies very quickly, one after the other, and I kind of thought, you know, do I even know how to do this? Like I've had this, just because you have a dream that you're going to do something, does that mean that you are going to do it? Does it mean you can do it? And So I started to really doubt myself and I thought, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to see if I'm even capable of writing a long project like that. So I said, I don't have a story, but I do know my own life. And that's a really boring life, but I can write in 10 chapters. So what did you write? What happened? I wrote a memoir. So um, I sat down and just just wrote this um, like 10 chapters and I, I charted it out, what was going to happen in each chapter. And um, I I wrote like 80,000 words and it was basically to prove to myself that I would be able to complete a project of that length mm-hmm. because I'd never tried that before, do you know? And like, obviously, it's different to writing a 3,000 word feature, which I'd written millions of. But um, so uh, after I'd done that... Um, and was it any good? No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing, Brita. Oh, yeah, of course. It's your life. Of course it is. Yeah. No, it was not. I'm sure it was not. But it's interesting when you're analysing your own life and trying to make it entertaining. You do come up with themes, actually. And I thought for anyone of my age, we've been through a very interesting um, sort of societal change. You know, I was born um, at the tail end of the 70s and... 
grew up in the 80s with no internet, no, so we didn't have a phone in our house, all that stuff. Totally different world. Yeah. And then, you know, we joined, well, we had obviously joined the EU before that, but um, money started to come in. There was a Good Friday Agreement. The Celtic Tiger came and it was like this explosion of, uh, of wealth and of sort of sophistication in the country. It was so different to, you know, when I was a 15 year old girl, like in, in the 90s and just like desperate for sort of clothes and style. And there was no style. You know, but we were watching MTV, um, trying to sort of uh, emulate that style. But it's and then like by the time I started working, I left college in 2000. It was just a different world, Mm -hmm. a different world completely. So anyway, that was a riveting memoir. (laughs) Riveting. (laughs) And how long did it take to write that then? Oh, not long. And that's why I decided I would just write. That was the practice run. I said, I'll just write about my life because I know it happens and I don't have to spend any time coming up with an idea. So like that was really or research, quick. Really. Yeah, research. Exactly. It was really quick. Um, like so that it, proved to you, I can do this. Yeah. And it was like I said, there was there was a, a the confidence was low. So I was just, you know, when you believe something about yourself, but actually it could be a complete myth. You believe that one day you're going to, you know, be in a rock band or you're going <laughs> to be a novelist. But uh, so I just thought, OK, we have to like grow up here a bit now and see if you actually can do it. So so I, I was happy to achieve that. And it's away in a drawer now. And then staying there, she says. <laughs> it is. Oh, my God. Well, yeah, the pitch now wasn't very good there. You just heard it. <laughs> I don't think anybody's rushing to buy that one, Brita. So where did the idea then for the debut come from? So, yeah, so the idea for the debut, I was... Um, I, as you know, I was wanting to write a book and I was thinking about writing a book about the pressures of modern life because it's kind of what I was experiencing. I was going through it. Um, I It was quite a culture shock to become a mother for me. I, you know, I'd been a very busy person in my career. I was well able to cope with stress and pressure. You know, that's what journalists live on. They thrive on it. But becoming a mother was a different story altogether and I found it really challenging and I found it really um, just like non-stop and I know everyone tells you that's what it's going to be like but you don't quite believe them and I just thought this is mad and I was trying to do a bit of work at the same time I was the books editor for the Indo at the time and I was up and down between Galway and Dublin and I just felt like my heart was in my mouth the whole time and I thought like I cannot sustain this and I just felt like if you know, if one ball dropped out of the juggle, mm. the whole thing would come crashing down. And I know that's a feeling that a lot of people have, whether they've children or not. Like I had that feeling before I had children, but, you know, I felt a little bit more able to, I felt more flexible. You know, if if something fell, it was OK. You mm-hmm. know, I just had myself to worry about. I didn't have to sort of schedule all these children as well. And it was just like a more complicated situation for me. So I'd been thinking about that for a long time and then I um, heard this news story about a baby who'd been left in a car, unfortunately, and tragically died. And it gave me such a fright. I just thought, oh, I just thought that is me. That that could be me. That could be anyone I know. We're all in this exact same situation where we're all just so busy and so overscheduled and so exhausted and so sleep deprived that it could happen to anyone. And it's interesting when news of the book came out last year or the year before, uh, it's all just one big long year now <laughs> because of yeah. the pandemic. We'll forget COVID. Yeah. Yeah. When the news came out, I got so many messages from people I knew, from people I didn't know who told me that they had done that and they had experienced that. But thankfully, 
um, the baby was fine, mm. you know, but it's interesting there before the grace of God. And I just thought this is this is so representative and emblematic of of how we live our lives now. And I was really just wanting to explore that and say, like, we've come to this point and, you know, we're so advanced and sophisticated as a civilization. And yet we haven't quite managed to sort of be kind to human beings, to ourselves. We haven't managed to figure out a way uh, to work and have families and uh, have support because it's you're you're out in the cold, you know. You're 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 sent home with your baby, and like I was YouTubing videos how to bathe a newborn baby mm. because YouTube was such a friend for me. It was my tutorial for everything because you don't know anything. And there's just this expectation that you should know, but yeah. of course you don't. It's like any new experience, you know. So when you had the nugget of the idea, then um, based on that story that you heard, how did you build around it to get your plot? Um. So I knew that I wanted to have. A woman being judged because I was really interested in that idea. I was observing a lot at the time. I was thinking, you know, because I didn't know a lot of people. And I think as writers, we're always observers anyway. So I earwig to every, everything mm-hmm. I hear and I watch everything, I observe everything. But I was really in that position of watcher because I, I didn't know many people because I just moved to Galway. And I was kind of aware of of judgment, of perfection, of appearances. And I was thinking, you know, how you appear um, can be very different to what's going on in your life. And I wa- so I wanted to have a woman who was, um, you know, who on the front of it or appearances wise looked like she had everything going perfectly. Everything was under control, nice and smooth. And that's our Dr. Sue, as she's known in the book, or Susanna. She... Um, She's this, you know, high achiever who um, is a TV celebrity as well. You know, she writes books. She's professor of paediatrics in a hospital. Like, she's just all around amazing. And she manages to be beautiful as well and fabulously dressed. Um, And then I wanted her to be not only judged, but I wanted her to be observed from a, a sort of second observation point. And I was wondering how I could do that. And initially, I thought I might do that with... um, you know, a different mother or a patient. But I came up with the idea of having a journalist. Really? What a surprise. (laughs) I know. (laughs) So inspired. Right about what you know, Ida. (laughs) Well, that was the other reason. I just thought, you know, I know how newsrooms work and I know that they're they're actually, they are quite comic, comedic, funny places that you can satirise very easily as well. So I thought it might be fun to write about a journalist, but also that she was watching. And and then I thought, well, you've got this journalist who, you know, it's a it's quite a pressurised career and you could look at, you know, the pressures and the expectations of being always on, always connected, always ahead of the curve, um, always ready to answer your phone for a deadline or a news story breaking. And those kind of expectations have leaked out of media into just any normal mm. job now, I think, haven't they? It's 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 part of our lives. And again, so I just thought that would be quite a, you know, a good way to explore those themes and, and obviously to have Adelaide, the journalist, observe Susanna and sort of have her own impression of her and give her own, not so much judgment because she, I think she's very much uh, sympathetic towards Susanna, but just to give her own take on the situation. I'm also intrigued because you actually set the book in the US yes. as opposed to Ireland. So why? Well, that was like a really boring reason, which is just that um, the maternity benefit in America is non-existent. And I just wanted to sort of ratchet up the pressure a little bit because 
I wanted to have, I wanted to explore that conflict that people feel about, you know, being a modern woman and wanting to continue our careers as I absolutely did. And I was really, I I, I really missed my career. I really missed that uh, facet of my, in my personality, my my identity, I felt it was almost completely erased and I was dying to get back to work. But then there was this new feeling, which was like, I really want to stay at home with my baby. I really want, I don't want to leave her. And that was a real conflict. And it was, it was surprising as well, because, you know, as a modern woman, and I found myself questioning, what is a modern woman? Because I felt like I should want to continue my career and I do want to continue my career. But there's this pesky feeling that mm-hmm. I want to stay at home and mind my, my kids. And, you know, it, it, it was a, a real tangle, a real sort of moral tangle for me. And I felt guilty leaving work and I felt guilty leaving my kids. And it was um, it was difficult to figure out. But um, I, yeah, I wanted so I wanted to kind of introduce that pressure of going back to work really early and leaving your kids really early as they, people have to in, in America. Like they just they take unpaid leave or they take their holiday leave and then it's back to work no matter what state you're in. And because you said it in the US then, what about research? I mean, because again, you've got a pretty, you know, high drama court case going on. So you need to have an understanding of, of some sort of the legal system. So was there a lot of work on the research side? Yeah. So how I did it was I decided I was just going to write it and I wasn't going to get bogged down in research um, until after I'd written. So I wrote the story and then um, went back and checked is this plausible? Is it possible in the American legal system? Does this happen? Where does the judge sit? You know, what's the jury system? And I'm fully expecting plenty of emails and letters telling me <laughs> all of the things that I've gotten wrong. But, you know, I did my best and I did research it as much as I could. And, it, you know, it's not about um, getting absolutely every factual detail mm-hmm. right. It's about it was about telling a story for me. But I did, to the best of my ability, check every single thing. Like, you know, there's some legal language in it that I was nervous about using, but I, you know, did as much research on that as I could. And there's a particular way things can happen. I don't want to do any spoilers. <laughs> but, you know, so, um, yeah, I did research that. And I'd lived in New York um as a student and worked there and loved it and I'd been back several times so I kind of I had a real um, love for New York and um, you know was familiar with well you know I'm not that familiar with it anymore I suppose I haven't been in a good few years now but I It felt comfortable Yeah and I wrote about it and in my opinion I was writing a kind of love story to New York I was thinking of all the places I loved and I was trying to reimagine all you know the smells and the sounds and the the feeling I used to get when I was in New York. I'm wishing COVID away so you can go yes, back. Yes, exactly. exactly for a research trip. Exactly. So how long then did it take to write? It took. This is a really hard question because you know it took a year. I wrote it in 2019. But it also took um, like five years, I think, you know, I I had the idea, you know, probably around 2015 and then the idea of the, you know, forgetting the baby. That was about two years after that. And then there's a huge editing process as Mm -hmm. well, which was um, an amazing learning uh, experience for me and has really helped me in the writing of the second book. Um, So, so yeah, like it, it took... A small time and it took a long time as well. And at what point were you at then when you said, okay, I think I need to approach somebody about getting this published? I never thought that. Really? (laughs) What happened was I was sitting at my uh, 
dining room table with the laptop and it was January 2020 and I was sitting there and the kids had just come back to school and back to Montessori and I was sitting at my laptop and I was just thinking I am so sick of this book (laughs) I am so sick of writing this and I I'm going to be here in January 2021 and or 20 yeah 2020 January and I'm going to be here the next year and I'm going to be here in 10 years with this book and I'm so sick of it and I just have to do something now to try and like just push me onwards because I just you're writing in a bubble and you've no encouragement from anyone Mm. and if you're like me you're so mortified of your own work that you don't show it to anyone so you don't get any of that kind of feedback you're doing great or so like there's part of you that thinks I've got 90,000 words here and they could be complete rubbish or I've got 90,000 words here and they could be good Mm -hmm. or not so bad and you've no idea actually you lose all perspective on it so at that point I just emailed Marianne Gunn O'Connor and I said dear Marianne I'm a journalist I'm writing a book I have can I send you three chapters and a synopsis and I actually, I, I lied in the email. I said, I, I've, I've written a book. It's done. Yeah, I did. Because I always remember that story that Marion Keyes tells. Yeah. Where she, with her first novel, she was like, I sent an email and said, I have a book. And they said, yeah, great. Can we see it? And she wrote the book in like two weeks or yeah. something. So anyway. Um, but you were better than that. You did have. I had you know, 50,000 yeah, words exactly. of the book written. But uh, yeah, Marianne emailed back and said, great, send what you have. And I thought, oh, no, I just wanted to send three chapters. Yeah. So anyway, I, it took me like a full week to respond to her because I was tidying up what I had yeah. and sent it to her and um, she read it very quickly and said, let's meet. And we met the following week and um, she said she wanted to represent me. And that was like the best moment. Ever. Honestly, it really yeah. was just the best feeling. I was, I was walking on air. It just gave you that feeling that, OK, I can do this. this it's is a vindication. Yes, exactly. it, it's you know exactly it's that idea that you're not crazy your your work actually has some merit mm. and that somebody like that could see uh, some potential in it was mm. it's an incredible confidence boost and what I would say now to people is don't be afraid to send your work I know it's mortifying but like send it to people you trust and send it to people who have an idea about writing and if they're any good they'll give you constructive criticism like they'll never say this is rubbish they'll say I thought this part I'd really like to know more about this character or you could do with some pacing issues or whatever. And I'm intrigued because you ended up with a number of publishers obviously looking to, to publish it. Um, so you had a choice in the end, which is amazing. But how did you go about choosing the right one to make sure it was the right one for you? Well, it, it's that's really interesting. And I was really nervous about that as well because obviously I had no experience of, of this kind of thing. And um, so I was looking for advice on it. But the really what um, happened was there was interviews essentially I would call them interviews were set up with each editor from each um, publisher and so you'd sit down and it was all on Zoom because uh, we were by that point in the pandemic and um, so just sat down on Zoom had a meeting and it was a two-way interview I'd say like they were looking at me thinking you know is this the right fit for our publishing company and could we you know do the best for her and also I was uh, interviewing them because I was thinking you know does this editor get the book mm-hmm. do they get me you know do they have a sense of humor which is really and important you, you to need me. to be able to work together <laughs> exactly so yeah so th- that was it was just kind of an interviewing process and then obviously they they made offers and um between myself and marianne we kind of discussed it and went with who we felt um best about in terms of um in terms of the you know the editor and also in terms of obviously the offer makes um mm-hmm. 
has an influence on your decision as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we ended up going with Sphere with a beautiful editor called Darcy Nicholson. She's a young woman. I think she's probably only about 30 and she had just joined Sphere a few months before, I think. So I felt that she'd... Um, well, first of all, I really got on with her. I really liked her. I felt like she really got the book. And I liked the idea that she was a young woman who um, didn't have kids because I didn't really want... I know a lot of interviews I've done have focused on the idea that, you know, it's about pressure on mothers, but actually the book's about burnout and mm-hmm. it's about our culture. And I didn't really want the focus to be on that. You know, that's it's something that people have focused on, but it's not the main part of the book like the book is about our our lifestyles and our modern lifestyles and the culture around that so I was really pleased to work with somebody who had a different perspective than me and we also had a, another editor called Callum Kenny who is a young man working at Sphere he worked on the book as well so we had a few different perspectives so that I really and how liked that. Did you, you mentioned you know that process was interesting and in terms of learning and challenging you like was it you know, from from you coming from a journalist perspective where you're, mm. you're more used to being in control of, of your writing. What was it like to get feedback? You know, I found it brilliant and I wasn't precious about it at all. And I think it was because I knew I knew they were going to make it better. And like what writer doesn't want to have their uh, book made better. But also, I think the journalism process had really like I didn't have any problems with you know and they were so delicate about su- suggesting changes they were so soft and gentle about it and I was kind of like usually when somebody wants to make a change <laughs> I find out about it when it's in print afterwards you exactly, know like yeah. it's it's not a problem but they were wonderful about it and um they know how to edit a book like there were so many um you know just technical problems they never wanted to change anything structural or anything about the story but there were technical problems like pacing and how to p- spread out the you know the narrative between because it's told from two characters points of view mm. really technical things that I was inexperienced with and they were fantastic on that front like they really helped me sort of balance out that narrative because that it is it's a technical thing and mm-hmm. it's just something that you need practice with and also when you've written a book it you know, you can become so swamped by it because it's a big piece of work and you're trying to hold it in your head the whole time. And when they read it with fresh eyes, they're like, OK, we need more of this. We need less of this. And it's it's easy to see from that perspective for them. Whereas with you, you're just like, I can't see the wood for the trees. Yeah. And it's, such a, as you said, such a large body of work. And how, mm. just to go back as well to the plot, did you plot it or did you just write it? Yeah, see, I... I wrote a lot of it and then I got lost and I said, I have to plot this. So Mm. I wrote a lot and then I was just like plotting things out. And this is a really good exercise. I found this was a really good exercise. Actually, a friend of mine, Danny Gill, who actually is a poet, she suggested to me um, just plotting it out on a, you know, A4 piece of paper, just write each chapter and lay it out on the floor. If your floor is big enough, you know, lay it out. And doing that was an incredibly helpful idea because I just looked down and I could see oh so we're jumping from so on each A4 page I wrote what happened in each chapter Right. so you could see really easily that you were jumping from this point in the story to you know somewhere way down in the middle of the story and it's like oh that's not going to work and you could just move your A4 pages around yeah I know well, people we've had use stickies people talking about post-it notes yeah. on the walls we've never had anything on the floor before yeah. so. well, I didn't have any <laughs> post-it notes so I just I just pulled out some printer paper and wrote it and you could just move some around and you could stand over the whole thing like surveying your kingdom <laughs> and, um, and move them around and it was brilliant I realised there was like a massive gap of like um 
like that it just had to be developed a, a story that just needed to be developed because I jumped from one point and then suddenly we were over here and I was thinking well you need to write mm. how you got to that point or how the character got to that point so there's really just technical tricks that this is again just talking to writers just talking to people who write or editors can re- be really helpful ask for help this is it and as you said because you've never done it before yeah, so how are you supposed to know exactly. everything so taking all of that wonderful experience that you now have um, what are you working on at the moment I'm working on the second novel which um, I'm not getting a lot of time to do at the moment but um, it's it's completely plotted uh, and I've written it a different way this time because of that editing process because the last time you know I wrote and wrote and wrote and then experienced the editing process and now I spent a lot of time thinking about Mm. the idea that I had for the second book and planning and planning and planning in my head and then I outlined it very sort of specifically on paper and I feel like again like those A4 pages I feel like I know it has to happen in each chapter now now that's not to say that when I start writing <laughs> um, things don't go out the window and like things do change in the process but I feel like I have a little roadmap for and does wh- that feel better does it feel less stressful maybe way less stressful and I feel like I have this kind of yeah this overall map that I know the point I want to get to and however I get there is the creative part so I can have fun with that bit but it's at least I know what's going to happen I think I know what's going to happen there's a dead body at the start of this book and we find out at the end which character it is right but like I wasn't sure which character it was. <laughs> Not yet. And it could I'm, change. I'm committed. I, I am committed to being one character, but it could change. We've had authors here who have uh, changed who was killed, changed who the killer was on second and third edits, you know. I've changed so many names, like so many names, so many times I, I had to do like very intensive word searches for names and there was all sorts of names popping up and then you start calling them the old name. Mm-hmm. And like, oh God, no. getting, getting confused. Very confusing. So is this a career you're committed to now? Oh, I would love for it to be a career. I, I really, um, it, it is a lifelong dream fulfilled now. And I am definitely committed to writing a second novel and Sphere um, have an option on the third. So I hope that they will come to pass. And um, I'd love to write books for a living. I know um, it's not something that many people do make a living from, but even if I could write books... Um, for pure enjoyment. For enjoyment, exactly. Just it's it's such a wonderful um, privilege to be able to do it. But I don't know if I'll ever give up journalism. I love. I'm too nosy to give up journalism. <laughs> I love getting to meet people. People are so inspiring, you know. And every if you're stuck in your room, how can you be a writer? There is that, and I was going to say as well. How do you feel now? Being asked the questions, normally you're the one asking the questions, now you're answering them. How's that? Yeah, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's so weird. I Just talking to, um, just being interviewed is, is so strange because it's not like a conversation. The interview is you talking and there's this innate part of you that wants to ask questions of the person and it's not just the journalist, that's a human being, you know, a conversation is back and forth. Um, so there's a 
part of your brain is telling you to stop talking. Stop talking now. Stop talking. So what question do you want to ask me then? <laughs> oh my God, what are you working on, Brita? <laughs> the day job oh. all the time. Exactly. 24-7 well, it, at breaking point. <laughs> this, this is exactly it. Adele Coffey, thank you for joining us here on Inside Books and you'll find Adele's book Breaking Point online or at your local bookshop now. The next episode of Inside Books will be out soon. Just keep an eye on our Twitter feed for details. The handle is at Inside Books I-R-E. Inside Books is a unique media production with research by Cleona Plunkett and if you'd like to hear other episodes just search for us on the various audio platforms and don't forget to leave us a rating or review. I'm Brida Brown. Until next time, keep reading. Inside Books is a unique media production.